Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that the Bible is not just for Sunday. You get a group of people, a church that is hungry for the Word of God and living it out, and you're going to have a group of people that's going to affect lives in the community. Because that's the only way that change can really come to our lives. Not by our understanding one another, not by our caring how we feel, but about knowing the Word of God. Because when you know the Word of God, you know the will of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Any good architect pays as much attention to the foundation of the building, which will not be seen, as he does to the edifice that will be in full view. Why? Because he understands his work will not last without a proper foundation. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his series from the book of Nehemiah, he takes the time to teach us how to lay the proper foundation necessary for living a successful Christian life. Here he is with today's message, A Call to the Word. The Pony Express was a thrilling part of early American history. It ran from uh, St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California, a distance of about 1,900 miles. And the trip was made in 10 days. 14 men, each riding 50 miles a day, dashed along the trail of 500 of the best horses the West could provide. To conserve weight, clothing was very light, saddles extremely small and thin, and no weapons were carried. The horses themselves wore small shoes or none at all. And the mail pouches were flat and very conservative in size. Yet letters had to be written on paper and postage was $5 an ounce. And the paper that was written was very, very thin. A tremendous amount of money for those days, $5 an ounce. Yet each writer carried a full-size Bible. It was presented to him when he joined the Pony Express, and he took it with him despite all the scrupulous weight precautions. Is that amazing? That they would consider the Word of God to be of greater value than any weapon to carry them and protect them and to have the success of the mail to go through. That is where our nation came from. And those are, are the very perspectives which men trusted God for. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. You see, it's only the word of God that can really take hold of our lives and really keep us in line and in check. Uh, everyone else we think we can get over on. Everyone else we think that we can, you know, outwit them. Uh, but when the Word of God is preached and when we go to the Word of God and, and it nails us, there, there's nowhere we can run. And that's what's the beauty about the Word of God. Now, in our series of Nehemiah regarding servant leadership, uh, we have seen that in our call to serve, God is concerned about our attitude. Uh, much service is spoiled because of rotten attitude. Now, everybody begins at humble. What else can we do? Uh, the thing is to stay humble, <laughs> to stay in the right attitude. Everybody thinks it's the greatest thing to start serving. Then they say, well, I can't believe these guys. They don't help, and I'm the only one. And that, Why are you serving? Who are you serving? Attitude. In our call to work, God is concerned about our actions. We don't just talk. We act. We don't say, well, you don't need some help. Call me. No, get out there and help. We act on it. 
And then in our call of warfare, God is concerned about our abiding. We don't run. We abide. We draw from Him. Now as we look to our call to the Word, it has to do with our knowing the mind of God in order to respond to do the will of God. Knowing the mind of God in order to respond to do the will of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8 here, verses uh, 1 through 12, um, we have our text. And uh, what I'm going to do is back up. And your Bible may even have the division that way. If you do, it's a better division. It divides the last verse of chapter 7. So you're really starting in the middle of the last verse of chapter 7 with the word, when the seventh month came. And that's the better beginning point for chapter 8. And so uh, Nehemiah shows us that a call to the word is first of all realized by personal hunger for the word. And you find that from the middle of the last verse all the way down to verse 3 of chapter 8. Secondly, it's beneficial by proper exposition of the word. Verses 4 through 8. And thirdly, it results in penetrating conviction of the word. Verse 9 through 12. Let me read the section for you. When the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Uh, now all the people gathered together as one man in an open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation of men and women and all who could hear and understand on the first day of the seventh month. And then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from the morning until the midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they made for the purpose beside him. At his right hand stood Mathathia, Shema, Anai, and Uriah, and all these guys' names who are harder than Xavier. And then we'll go to verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their head and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Joshua, Benai, and Sherebiah, and all these guys again, uh, helped the people understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions of those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to your, our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. And so the first thing we want to look at is that Nehemiah shows that a call to the word is realized by personal hunger for the word. Notice first in verse 1 there, which is the middle portion of the previous verse, that all the people gathered together as one man and told Ezra to bring the law of Moses. It was in the seventh month they all gathered there. The emphasis is on being of one mind, purpose, 
desiring God's word here. You have the whole congregation. Remember, they've been in captivity for 70 years. They've even been 13 years here without any progress. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah has come back. And they're all gathered there with one mind, one purpose, one desire. What is it? It's to hear the word of God. You get a group of people, a church that is hungry for the word of God, and you have them get serious about studying the word of God and living it out, and you're going to have a group of people that's going to affect lives in the community. Because that's the only way that change can really come through our lives. Not by our understanding one another. Not by our caring how we feel. But about knowing the word of God. Because when you know the word of God, you know the mind of God. Which you know the will of God. The occasion is just weeks after the completion of the wall, which you get in chapter 6, verse 5. God had been working. They had seen God work. And they're hungry for God, the Word. They knew that they were free from captivity. And in the land, the walls were built now. But if they didn't return to the Word of God, they know that they would go back into the captivity, bondage, and destruction. You see, it's only the Word of God that will keep you from going back into bondage to where you came from. God brought you out of whatever it may be, whether it be living with someone, whether it be from running around or drugs or alcohol or pornography, whatever it may be. But if you do not hunger after the Word, and that's what's your desire and your hunger, before you know it, the old cravings will come back, will they not? You see, God gives you a new hunger. And as you are feeding off the Word, then you are developing and growing from that grace and that mercy and that feeding of the Word. So there's got to be that constant. Jesus said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's the Word of God. People often say, well, I don't, I don't read that often. How's your life? Oh, it's not so good. Anytime you start having trouble, all I have to ask you is, when's the last time you read your word? When's the last time you picked up your sword? If it's been a day or two, you're, you're having problems already. Because if you're not putting the word of God, then the world's putting all other things in you, in your sin nature. Absolutely. Notice secondly in verse 2 that all the people were those who were old enough to appreciate and discern the meaning. This is important. The priest Ezra brought forth the law. In verse 2 there, the congregation was composed of men, women, and all who could hear and understand. They could understand language. They were old enough to stand there. And the day was the first day of the seventh month. They were ready. Notice also thirdly in verse 3, that all the people counted the cost of time to hear. And they were attentive. It says there, then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from the morning until the midday before the men and women and those who could understand and hear all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The word was read from daylight to what? Noon. About six hours. Now some people get upset about an hour teaching. How hungry are you? Now I understand that, you know, the brain can't endure any more than the seat of understanding can endure. But, uh, you know, you've got padded pews. <laughs> Hang tight. 
We certainly don't mind sitting in front of a football game for three hours, do we? You ever hear somebody say, oh, I ain't coming back these things, man. I'm sore. I just, you know, these chairs are too hard. Doesn't even bother them, right? The ears of all were attentive to the book of the law. The word all appears in all three verses. They were in one accord as to their desire to know the mind of God, to do the will of God. All, all, all. They moved this body. You see? A family has to move as a family. A church has to move as a church for there to be effectiveness. Very important. In France, there once lived a poor blind girl who obtained a gospel of Mark with raised letters and braille so she could read with her fingertips. By constant reading, her fingertips became very callous and her sense of touch diminished until she could not sense the raised braille any longer. One day she cut the skins from off the end of her fingers thinking that she would increase the sensibility of her fingertips only to find out that she destroyed the very sensitivity and feeling in her fingertips. She felt that she must now give up her beloved book and weeping, press it to her lips, said, quote, farewell, farewell, sweet word of my heavenly father. To her surprise, her lips, more delicate than her fingers, discerned the form of the letters. All night, she perused with her lips the word of God and overflowed with joy at the new acquisition. How do you feel about your Bible? <laughs> do you cherish it? There are people in Iron Curtain country, they only have a, a one page. Uh, we go abroad and people they ask for Bibles. Uh, um, years back, we sent a whole group to smuggle Bibles into China. I mean, how do you value God's Word? I mean, this girl just perused all of the Word of God. I mean, it's our light, it's our life, it, it, it's everything. And yet, anything can become commonplace. Our wife, our husband, our children, the house we live in. The, tonight you will walk home and you'll, you'll get there and some of you will run, dry, whatever it is. And you'll get home and, and you'll just turn on the light and not think anything about it. And you go and turn on the shower and, and warm water will come out and won't think nothing of it. And then you get out and comb your hair, brush your teeth and you'll jump into some clean sheets and won't think anything about it. And those things we just always think they're going to be there. You see what I mean? Then all of a sudden something happens and you lose your job and all of a sudden you can't make your rent and, and you lose your house and you go, ah, oh. you know, you start from a different perspective realizing that, you know, these things are valuable. They're not the important things of life, but, but they do have some value and, and because of what I've had, I've lost perspective. It's so easy in life. God would have us all to gather together as one man with such a hunger for God's word saying, bring us the word. <laughs> Bring us the word. Uh, in the book, The Church in China, it speaks about uh, uh, the underground church as it gathered together and grew and expanded and, and, and people would come and teach and, and the guy would teach for three or four hours and he would stop and they would say, more, more. They didn't want to go away. But see, they lived under Mao's tyrannical rule. You see? They knew what it was to be able to hear the word of God. Some of us were at home on Sunday morning and we had a bad Saturday night. We said, well, I won't go. To, I'll go tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, it's not to condemn you. It's to show you that we have a lot. You know what I mean? It's easy to fall into that, all of us. And God would have each of us not simply to gather and feel good about ourselves, but to hear and understand the meaning in order to obey the word and to be holy. 
Not only to say, hey, that's a, that's a neat truth. Boy, I never knew that. But, but to grab it and say, wow, I have to be a doer of that. Wow, that truth can change me. And open my heart to it. God would have us to count the cost of having and hearing and understanding God's word. Notice that they stood for six hours and it says that they were attentive, not bored. By the way, um, the practice before was that the, um, the teacher sat and the student stood. And if there, anybody fell asleep, everybody would know it. Boom! <laughs> I don't know how it got turned around. Maybe we should start that here, huh? If you're going to learn the Word of God, it's going to take time and commitment of that time. You've got to discipline your life. I mean, we discipline ourselves to lift weights, right? To run every morning, to go golfing, to eat. Well, the Word of God is more important than any of those things. And we need to discipline ourselves to do that. Absolutely. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, Matthew 5, 6, in the Beatitudes. As the deer pants and longs after the water brook, so longs my soul after you, O God, Psalm 42, 1. The Word of God. You see, a call to the Word is realized by personal hunger for the Word. Personal hunger for the Word. Do you have it? Are you cultivating it? It's important. How does your appetite get so big? Because you eat a little more every day. Now, nobody has to push us to feed our face physical-wise, right? You start with one hamburger, and then next week you eat two hamburgers, and then you go to three hamburgers, and it seems like you just can eat a, add another hamburger every time. You know, you're, you're stretching yourself. You're pressing yourself to take more in. Oh, that we would do that to the Word of God. You see what I mean? You read five chapters, one sitting? Oh, great. Now, go for ten next time. <laughs> Stretch yourself. Create that hunger. The call to the Word is realized by personal hunger for the Word. Secondly, a call to the Word is beneficial by proper exposition. You find this in verses 4 through 8. It's beneficial by proper exposition. And what I mean by proper exposition, I mean by proper handling of the text. So as to bring about the meaning of the life situation when written and the meaning of life situation then made application for today. The first and the foremost task of any and every expositor is to find out what the meaning of the text was for that day and for those people. And once you discover the meaning for them, then we can make the crossover to application for today. And if we have to make some adjustment in cultural, that fine. But you must find out what it meant for them. Context, language, historical background will give you that understanding. Very important. That's a big word called general hermeneutics, the science of interpretation. Three simple things. Make a triangle. On the bottom, put context. Then put language. Then put culture or history. And that's how you get the meaning of life situation. The Germans call it Zitzenleben, the life situation for that day. 
And once I have that, once I've wrestled with my text, once I've asked all those questions and I've nailed it, then I can say, now I can take those principles and make proper application for today. But I have no, no right to make application until I have found out what it meant to them in that day. Very important. Luther's word for the Reformation was Scripture alone. We need another Reformation of Scripture alone. There is so much blending and integrating and all kinds of junk in the church today. We need to return to Scripture alone and let it speak for itself because we are diluting the Word of God and we are compromising the authority of the Word of God and we're raising a generation of mamby-pamby Christians who don't want to take responsibility for anything. They all see themselves as victims. There are no victims in the kingdom of God. You choose to be a victim. No victims. Only possible victory if we choose to abide and trust Jesus Christ. And sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. Notice first here that proper exposition is accomplished by one who is called and anointed by God. Verses 4 and 5. Ezra the scribe stood on the platform of wood that they had made for him for that purpose. Uh, and besides him, all these guys stood there. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above the people, and when he opened it, the people stood up. Now, Ezra the scribe is one that's on the wooden platform, and six men are on his right-hand side and seven on his left hand, gifted by God to teach, verse 4. So the important thing is that the man who is teaching is not only called, but he's anointed, right? He's gifted. How do you know? You're a teacher because people listen and people learn and people grow. If you think you're a teacher called and anointed by God and nobody comes, as a matter of fact, your number diminishes, guess what? You're not a teacher. That's very, very simple. People say, are you a leader? How do you know you're a leader? Very simple. Look around. Are people following? If they're following, you're a leader. Very simple. And so you need a man who is called anointed. Ezra opened the book and all the people stood to hear. There's attentiveness. There's an acknowledgement. There's a response. They stood so they would not fall asleep. (laughs) And the teacher sat. Now, Ezra was higher, not because he's exalted above the people, just as I stand higher than you so that you can see me, not that I'm more exalted, not so that you can revere me. No, no, no. It was a position for the people to be able to see and to hear him. Sometimes we get the wrong idea and and men think that they're higher the people because they're closer to God. Not so. That's not what's implied here. Notice secondly in verse 6, proper exposition produces and points the people to the worship of God. He says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, so be it. While lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is great. They bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord, a position of humility and reverence. The position of bowing is an acknowledgement that the one through that you are before is much greater than yourself. The word is going forth and oh, 
It's just awesomeness that, man, we're not worthy. The position of humility. How serious do you take reading your Bible? Pastor Xavier Reese and Surrendering to the Word of God. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Andy has more to share on this important topic next time, but if you can't join us for the next edition of Simple Truths, you can pick up a complete unedited copy of this message. The title to request is A Call to the Word. Ask for your copy of the CD for just $4. And be sure to pass it on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're finished with your own study. Now, once again, the title to ask for is A Call to the Word, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station in all your correspondence. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry. Most Christians want to experience God, but Pastor Xavier Reese says it's not all about feelings. Find out more when you join him on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com